Okay, if you can hear this, this is the recording. This is the third recording. The first two kind of went by the wayside. There were some issues there. So this is the live show recording attempt number three. We're just going to start off and jump right in with a quick poem. <clears throat> Frosted days and ice still nights. Fir trees trimmed with tiny lights. Sound of sleigh bells in the snow. That was Christmas long ago. Tykes on sleds and shouts of glee, icy windows filigree, sugar plums and candle glow, part of Christmas long ago. Footsteps stealthy on the stair, sweet-voiced carols in the air, stocking hanging in a row, tell of Christmas long ago. Starry nights, so still and blue, good friends calling out to you. Life, so fast, will always slow for dreams of Christmas long ago. That is Christmas Long Ago by Joe Geis. Okay. Okay. Yes, good, good, good. Everybody's internet's working. Fantastic. Let's get some quick quotes in, shall we? Quick quotes, quick quotes, quick quotes. Let's have a wonderful Christmas show. Let's get that energy going. Mm -mm -mm. I cannot wait to start celebrating myself. So let's get her going. <clears throat> You're such a good girl for Danny. You won't speak to me that way again, little one. I feel rode hard and put up wet. That's it. Atta girl, baby. That's cute, but I wasn't asking, princess. Lick my sugar plums. I've cornered you under the mistletoe. Now give me a kiss, kitten. Do I look like I'm messing around? <laughs> All right. How far do you want to push my buttons? I will let you girls put up a few more just while I do this next poem. I like this, quick quotes and poems together. We should do this more often. This is working pretty well. <clears throat> "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house "'not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. "'The stockings were hung by the chimney with care "'in hopes that St. Nick would soon be there. "'The children were nestled all snug in their beds "'while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads, "'and Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap 
had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter that I sprang from the bed to see what's the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny deer. Reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. On, Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricanes fly, when they met with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop to the coursers they flew, with the sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas too. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came in with a bound. He was dressed in all fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler, just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry, his cheeks were like little roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow, and the stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him, in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings and turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney, he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the dawn of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. I think we all know that one. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Let's see here. I believe I have to say, lick my sugar plums. I've cornered you under the mistletoe. 
Now give me a kiss, kitten. Do I look like I'm messing around? How far do you want to push my buttons? The weather outside is frightful. But the fire is so delightful. Oh, Daddy, do it again, please. You don't seem like you miss me too much, kitten. Try harder. Oh, no, little girl, you're not done. One more for Daddy. Count them, baby girl, or we'll have to start over. Do you think that attitude will get you daddy's presence? No, you can't come yet. Not until I say. Now, shut up. Shh. Kiss me, baby girl. If you hold real still while I tease you, I may let you come when I'm done. I'll suck yours if you suck mine. Let me play with you like my favorite Christmas toy. You gonna come, little girl? Tilt your head to the side, baby girl. Daddy wants to nuzzle your neck. Make me your wind-up doll? Yes, I know you miss me, darling. Now suck my cock. I've been waiting for this. You feel so good around my cock, baby girl. I'm wrapping you up in this duvet and keeping you with me for the rest of the day, baby. You're not going anywhere. Christmas kisses for all of Daddy's babies. Santa's not coming to visit you, baby girl, unless you take the spanking, Daddy says you deserve. All right, girls, that's going to have to be quick quotes for today. Obviously, I need to solicit them and then do a poem and then come back, because that apparently emboldens you all. So thank you very much for that. Can we get a lip, a link to the tip stream? I swear I'm not even fucked up yet. That comes after the show. I'm just stumbling. Can we get the tip jar link, please? Thank you so much. You should tip me because it's Christmas. You should tip me because I feel good. You should tip me because I work hard. You should tip me for lots of reasons. And you should tell your fucking friends about these shows and the podcast and tell them to come out. Because I'm not stopping. I'm only going to keep working at it until I can make you all just, just jitter. Just shake with joy. I'm just never going to give up until I get that. I'm a perfectionist, and I want to do this, and I'm stubborn. So between the three things, I'm going to get there. Now, you can either get in line, or you can stand in my way. 
either or. <clears throat> One more poem for the night. These are lovely, lovely poems. Thank you for everybody who submitted them. I dreamed I stood upon a little hill, and at my feet there lay a ground that seemed like a waste garden, flowering at its will with buds and blossoms. There were pools that dreamed black and unruffled. There were white lilies, a few, and violets, purple or pale, snake-like, scarce seen for the rank grass as through green nets, blue eyes of shy, perinch winked in the sun, and there were curious flowers before undone. Flowers that were strained with moonlight or with shades of nature's willful moods, and here a one that had drunk in the transitory tone of the brief moment in a sunset. Blades of grass that in a hundred springs had been slowly but exquisitely nurtured by the stars and watered with the scented dew long cupped in lilies that for rays of the sun had seen only God's glory. For never a sunrise mars the illuminous air of heaven. Beyond abrupt a grey stone wall, overgrown with velvet moss, uprose, and gazing, I stood long, all mazed to see a place so strange, so sweet, so fair. And as I stood and marveled, lo, across the garden came a youth. One hand he raised to shield him from the sun, his wind-tossed hair was twined with flowers, and in his hand he bore a purple bunch of bursling grapes. His eyes were clear as crystal, naked all was he. White as the snow on pathless mountains fore, red were his lips as red line spilleth that dyes a marble floor, his brown chalcedony. And he came near me, with his lips uncurled and kind, and caught my hand, and kissed my mouth, and gave me grapes to eat, and said, Sweet friend, come, I will show thee shadows of the world and images of life. See, from the south comes a pale pageant that hath never an end. And lo, within the garden of my dream, I saw two walking on a shining plain of golden light. The one did joyous seem, and fair, and blooming, and a sweet refrain came from his lips. He sang of pretty maids, and joyous love, of comely girl and boy. His eyes were bright, and, mid the dancing blades of golden grass, his feet did trip for joy, and his hand he held an ivory lute with strings of gold that were as maiden's hair. And he sang with a voice as tuneful as a flute, and round his neck 
three chains of roses were, but that was his comrade walked aside. He was full and sad and sweet, and his eyes, large, were strange with wondrous brightness, staring wide with gaze, and he showed signs with many signs that moved me, and his cheeks were wan and white with pallid lilies, and his lips were red like poppies, and his hands were clenched tight and yet again unclenched, and his head was wreathed in moonflowers, pale as lips of death. A purple robe he wore, overwrought in gold, with the device of a great snake whose breath was fiery flame, which when I did behold, I fell a-weeping. I fell a-weeping and cried. Sweet youth, tell me why, sad and sighing, thou dost rove these pleasant realms. I pray thee speak me south. What is thy name? He said, My name is Love. Then straight the first did he turn himself to me and cried, Elian, for his name is Shame. But I am Love, and I was wont to be alone in this fair garden till he came unasked by night. I am true love. I fill the hearts of boy and girl with mutual flame. Then sighing, said the other, Have thy will. I am the love that dare not speak its name. Goodness, <clears throat> that was Two Loves by Lord Alfred Douglas. Intense. Very intense. Yeah, that was like a real poem. Kind of kind of juxtaposed pretty heavily with Night Before Christmas, huh? <laughs> Thank you for the suggestion. That was lovely and cultural. And I had to skip a couple of flower words because uh, I'm dyslexic. And I've literally, if I've ever heard some of those words aloud, I don't know it. And I'm very shy about that kind of thing. So I just kind of skip a couple of words now and again. It's still a lovely poem. Okay, we are getting right on into the prose after this. We've got a fair bit of prose for everybody tonight. I hope you're looking forward to it. I hope you're feeling prosgressive. All right. <clears throat> what the hell is going on? Cole sounded as bewildered as she felt. This is between me and my secretary, Warner. Even in the shadowy darkness, the weight of Dez's stare burned Wendy's skin. Then why am I here? Cole snapped. Because you're the one go who's going to discipline her for touching herself in your chair. 
Before Wendy could pick her mouth off the floor, Des stepped forward and wrapped his hand around her jaw, tilting her face up to his. His nostril flared, and she had the errant thought that she could smell her arousal, now trickling hotly onto her thighs. You have the choice to leave now. If you do, this stops here. Otherwise, go kneel where I told you. Her heartbeat reverberated in her ears. She couldn't process what was happening, especially since she could hear the animated voices and cheerful Christmas music just outside the door. Out there, life was still normal. And here, nothing made sense. Des, you're scaring her. Cole laid a restraining hand on Des's shoulder, which promptly, which he promptly shook off. Perhaps you misunderstood what you saw. Did I? Des asked quietly. She wanted to lie so badly to make all of this end, but part of her didn't. That part of her yearned to see what lurked behind door number two. She whispered, You chose to do that in here, in Cole's chair. You must have wanted to be caught. Was that your plan? For Cole to catch you? She averted her eyes to the floor and wished the thick carpet would just swallow her whole. Either leave or go kneel by his chair. It's your choice, but you need to make it now, Wendy. Her boss's voice lashed against her flushed face like a whip. We don't have much time. Time? For what? Cole snagged a handful of her hair, gently tipping her head back. You heard the man. Either leave this office now, or go kneel by my chair, love. My job. This has nothing to do with that, and you know it. Cole's breath blew warmly over her temple this time when she shivered. It wasn't from fear. Go. She went. They walked around the desk, one on either side, as she cast her face down to keep from revealing the extent of her excitement. She had read every line in the employee manual but she was pretty sure their behavior wasn't following protocol. Even so, she trusted them. They weren't just her bosses, they were also her friends. Somehow, she'd unleashed this. Des sat in the chair and spread his legs, drawing her gaze to the thick bulge at their apex. Even in the moonlight, his girth dried her throat. She wet her lips and startled at the needful sound he made. Yes, you're going to use that tongue and those lips, you tease. But first, you're going to take off your top for me. When she froze, Cole tugged up her shirt making his own sound of approval as she willingly lifted her arms. She'd stopped thinking entirely 
he set her up on top of his blotter and hooked his fingers under the straps of her bra, offering more praise while he drew them up and down her arms. Just push down the cups, Des instructed. She expected Cole to argue. Normally, the two men shared a mutual balance of power, though technically Des owned a controlling interest of the business. But Cole didn't hesitate. He flicked his fingers over her nipple, and they peeked, seeking his caress. He stroked them without shame, first through the lacy cups, then her bare flesh. Both men made noises at the bearing of her breast, like animals circling bloody meat. Pull those pretty tits up, Des grated. Cole tugged her breast by her nipples, plumping them over the tight band of her bra. The swollen tips jutted outward, asking for their mouths, begging for them. Des showed her the items he'd hidden in his hands, pink clothespins with heavy teardrop crystals. She cried out in surprise as he clipped them with swift efficiency on her nipples. Vision blurring, she stared back at the agile fingers now swirling around her areolas. Was this really happening? Did Des really have his hands on her breasts? Her drenched sex said, hell yes. So did her soaked thighs and quivering belly. She sifted forward on her knees, squeezing her legs together to try and get some friction where she needed it. You stole those off the tree. Dez's trademark grin flashed just long enough to steal her breath. It's my tree. It's my ornaments. He shifted the clips, their teeth scraping against her stiff nipples, and she closed her eyes from the bite of pain dangling crystals caused. I knew you had beautiful tits. Tell me, how wet your pussy is? He didn't frame it as a question. He merely assumed it was so. She whimpered, not able to reply. She fantasized occasionally about a lover talking dirty during sex, but she'd never gotten that explicit, even in her own head, which was pretty pitiful since it turned out or turned her on beyond belief. I'm wet, she murmured, scandalized by both men's admission and the flush stealing over her cheeks. Today aside, she wasn't a blusher and she wasn't into kinky stuff with ornaments and whatever the hell this was. It was Dez. Dez. Finally. Stand up and take off your panties, and then get in my lap. Quickly, Dez added at her stare, there's a party going on. That is from... Jingle Bell, book number one, The More the Merrier, by Carrie Quinn. Boy, whoever cut that off knew what they were doing. That cut off right when it was getting really interesting, huh? <laughs> mm -mm -mm. Tease indeed, but very Christmassy. 
Some more, some more, some more, some more smut. More, 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 more smut. You guys don't want to go back to poetry? You sure? Okay. She was drifting in the void between sleep and wakefulness, that most precarious of places where detailed and vibrant dreams are possible to direct and control. She usually explored her most outlandish fantasies in this state, frequently finding herself drenched when she finally emerged to full consciousness. This morning's dream had only just started when she was rudely awoken by her inconsiderate brother of a flatmate slamming the front door. Why she had ever decided to move in with him was a mystery to her, and she was counting the weeks until she could afford to find her own home. Until then, she did at least have the advantage of watching an array of his male friends come and visit. It was one of these that had been the subject of this morning's dream. The friend in question had spent the night on the sofa after the two of them had been out drinking last night. She'd heard them come in from the small hours and assumed they had left for their regular weekend football practice, leaving her the luxury of an empty flat. He was by far the nicest of her brother's friends, and she had been flirting with him on and off for a few weeks now, partly because he was rather gorgeous, and partly just to annoy her brother. In her dream, she had watched him working up a sweat in an imaginary garden, his muscular torso glistening in the sun as he wielded an axe to chop wood, but she'd woken before anything more exciting had happened, leaving her feeling aroused and more than a little frustrated. She let her imagination drift back to her dream, and the still fresh images of his semi-naked body filled her mind as her fingers gently caressed their way down and began to softly stroke the damp flesh between her thighs. She conjured images of him undressing, revealing parts of him that she'd never seen but frequently imagined. Her fingers slipped between the wet folds of her flesh, and she pictured his hard, muscular thighs as his jeans were tugged down, leaving him fully exposed. She closed her eyes, willing the dream world to return, and letting her imagination direct the action as her hands provided the physical stimulation her body demanded. She cupped one of her breasts, squeezing her already swollen nipples hard between her two fingers, feeling the familiar electric ripples of pleasure racing through her, as if wired directly to her pussy. Her thighs clamped around her other hand briefly, an automatic response to the pleasurable sensations filling her. Her fingers moved autonomously, their practice movements maintaining their first flush of arousal with the ease of building an on it, parting her lips and easing towards her clit. She moved slowly, her fingers tracing lazy circles around it, careful not to press too hard, too soon, in case to give in to a physical need and forget the fantasy sustaining it. Her ma in her mind, she knew before his naked body, 
visualizing his perfect abs and beautifully erect cock. Soaking in the details, she pictured smooth-shaven balls that demanded to be cupped and licked. Her lips parted in readiness to take him deep into her mouth while her fingers found the firm flesh of her clit and squeezed it gently as she imagined licking along the length of his shaft while looking up into his eyes and watching the pleasure unfold on his face. Her neck and chest flushed a warm, rosy pink as her excitement built rapidly. Her arousal noticeably her arousal noticeably ahead of the action in her head. Her dream jumped forward to match her body, and she found herself being lifted in his strong arms and felt the tip of his cock pressing against the sodden entrance of her pussy. Fingers acting as a substitute for the man in her dreams, she felt herself being stretched as he slowly filled her, easing into her sodden pussy, pressing the heel of her hand against the clit, she drove herself closer to climax, one hand a blur of motion, while the other continued to pinch and squeeze her nipple, dream forgotten as she lost herself in ecstasy. Every move edged her nearer to a peak, and she cried out with reckless abandon at the first ripple of orgasm as it filled her senses, causing her hands to clench fingers pressing hard against the most sensitive flesh, causing a second wave of pleasure to course through her, and she cried out again. Slowly, she eased back to wakefulness, her heart returning to a normal pace, and her awareness of her surroundings replacing the fantasy of the dream once more. Throwing back the covers, she paused on the edge of the bed, toes pressed into the soft pile of the carpet, listening to the silence that pervaded the flat, checking that she really was alone. Confident that her brother and his friends had indeed left earlier, she put her iPod on its dock and turned it on. Padding slowly across the hallway, wearing nothing but yesterday's perfume, she left the doors to her bedroom and the bathroom open so that the music was still audible, and turned the shower on. Hot water cascaded over her, sending a wave of goosebumps racing across her body as if she was being caressed by invisible hands. The sensation was exquisite, and she closed her eyes, savoring the feeling of the fleeting moment that lasted. He lay very still on the sofa, Last night had been one of the heavy drinking, had been one of heavy drinking, and he resisted all earlier attempts at being woken. He was supposed to be at football practice, but there was no way he was going to go today, so he'd feigned sleep and made his friend go on his own, which was no doubt the reason he had slammed the door so hard as he left. He thought... That meant he had the place to himself for a few hours and planned to simply let himself out later. That had changed when he heard the cries of pleasure a few moments ago and remembered that his friend shared a flat with his sister. Someone he'd noticed several times and whom he had enjoyed flirting with in the past.
Feeling like an interloper, he tried to ignore the voyeuristic pleasure of hearing her climax and listened carefully, convinced she couldn't be alone, and waited for a suitable moment to either announce his presence or make his escape and spare the blushes of the couple that were clearly having fun in the next room. He dressed silently, pulling on his jeans and shirt quickly so as to be ready to make his exit. He was about to move when loud music filled the air, followed by the sound of someone moving from the bedroom toward the bathroom. This brought home to him the layout of the flat, and he realized he'd have to pass through both rooms to leave. The sound of running water was just audible over the music, and he decided that was his cue. Leaving his shoes off so that he could walk silently, he made his way to the door and couldn't resist peeking into the bedroom as he passed. He was sure he had only heard one person enter the bathroom, so he expected to see someone. But the room and the unmade bed were clearly empty. Thoughts whirled through his mind. If there was only one person, then it had to be her in the shower, and then he definitely wanted a look. As the sister of a friend, she had always been off limits, but he'd long held a secret desire to see her naked, and he could still pretend to still be drunk from last night, if necessary. This was too good of an opportunity to miss. Stealing himself, he put down his shoes and walked quietly into the bathroom. As he rounded the corner, he saw her in the shower. She had her back to him, and he stood, stock still, soaking in the view. She looked even better in the flesh than his imagination suggested, and he felt instantly aroused. He was aware of the growing pressure in his jeans, and he knew he should leave, but he was rooted to the spot, unable to turn away from the delicious, illicit sight before him. The hot water was intoxicating, and combined with the aftermath of her orgasm, she felt completely relaxed. A broad smile covered her face as she stood, enjoying the hot stream of water cascade over her while she replayed the dream in her mind. She slowly turned, letting the water flow over her back, and froze as she saw him standing there. It took a moment before she was before <clears throat> it took a moment before she was sure whether he was really there or just a figment of her imagination. Emboldened by the dream and her still aroused state, she smiled at him. Don't just stand there, she said. Get over here and join me. Uh, we have so many cock teases tonight. The name of that piece is Too Wet by A.M. Harding. Uh, just a slight commentary from the reader on this one. I typically am not too big on when somebody writes a lot of uh, sexual prose with uh, analogies and metaphors. Uh, 
like some are fine, but it's a, it's a spice, don't use too much. That was filled with it, and it was very well written. That was just filled to the brim with, it was like this, or it felt like that, or as such as this. And it was still very good. I kept thinking that as I was reading it. I kept thinking, this is really well constructed. You have such a good mental image. Uh, and most of the metaphors were about emotional stuff. So that was a fun piece to read. Okay, okay. We've got more smut. We've got more smut. It's probably just going to get you to touch yourself a little bit and rub yourself and then tap out the last second and be a dick, just like the last two pieces. But we'll see what happens. Mm. Quick sip because it's a podcast of mine. Mm. If there's somebody else here, I'd be like, that for me. And I'd drink really good. Just glug, 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 glug. Ah, yeah, delicious. Fortunately, I can't. So instead, I'm drinking and I'm talking about it. And this is where you make a note of, oh my God, he sounds so good. Oh my God, he sounds so good. I, I, I can't believe how good he sounds. This is that time to think that while I'm drinking and just like, you know, doing my stuff. This is that portion of the show. No, 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 no. Not sexy as always. I agree. I always sound sexy. But this is the part of the show, especially for you at home, who didn't come out and are listening to the recording, where you can listen and go, oh my God, he sounds so good. The breathing and the speaking and everything. He sounds so good. He sounds so professional. He sounds so ready for more. I know. I agree. We're really going to be on the hunt soon. I know. I know. I know I do. That's why I'm saying it. I'm bragging. You guys bought this. You guys bought this. The confidence and the health and and, and the swag and all all of that. The joie de vivre. All of it. You purchased it. And now you're going to get it. Now you're going to fucking get it. Mm -mm -mm. So on the buns. as, As we... As we prepare, so here's, I'm just going to, just going to level with you guys because the live shows have been a little slow in person and then the recordings are doing pretty well, right? So the following is there. They're just not coming out to the Discord or the Twitch, what have you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. That's just shop talk. So I'm leveling with you guys. I'm pretty sure when I do start off in-person shows, I'm just going to start off with a single one in Denver. Just one in Denver to see if we can get asses in the seats. Just to start off with that. I want to start off with a couple on the West Coast. I'm going to have to scale it back. Just make sure that we can do the one and that it'll still be profitable. Yada, yada, yada. As we try and build everything up and and that sort of thing. Why am I telling you uh, this? The short answer is uh, my buns are about to be evaluated. They're going to be evaluated by a professional bun evaluator. Uh, that's not as fun of a job as, as you might imagine. Uh, in fact, it's actually kind of a difficult job to look at people's bodies and go like, yeah, or no, to their faces. But that's what they do, right? That's what, that's what somebody, you know, if you ever applied to be a model, that's what's on the other side of being a model, right? Is the person who goes like, no, you can't be a model. Or yes, you can, right? It's like that. Except for every physical thing. So, uh, uh, I'm about to get that. And uh, and I'm feeling pretty confident that they're not going to be like, just burn the whole thing down. 
I'm pretty confident that they're not going to, like, look at the body and everything and be all, like, poke it a little bit and be all, like, you know what? Just, just, and just start wrapping, like, that orange tape that means tear the fucking house down, right? Just, just, the jingle bells, jingle, just wrapping it around me. Quarantine up on the rooftop. Right? I mean, he's got to have a good time about it. Whatever happens with that, though, I'm feeling very confident. I'm feeling very secure. Uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling very ready. And uh, I I I'm I'm I haven't made any promises really this year. I've like I've held back, and I've and I've stopped trying to make promises because they just stress me out. But I do believe legitimately from the bottom of my heart. That that first live show is going to be happening in Denver. I don't know how many people are going to be there. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we're going to keep, you know, rolling this out. It's going to keep growing. And thank you all for being a part of it. Uh, I did want to get that out and push that out on the podcast and then talk about it. Uh, it's been a while since I did say it. Um, you guys have heard how I've sounded over the last two years physically. And if you're listening to this, you understand that there's been some real ups and downs. Uh, I, I I am so sorry that we have taken longer than I wanted to get to this point. But uh, even though this month has sucked, and it has, and I haven't told you even the half of it, and there's still more bullshit tomorrow even, um, even though this month has fucking sucked, and uh, the last quarter of the year has been pretty rough, I feel so ready. I feel so ready. Like, and that's all you can really do before you you start trying to make it, right? Because let's just be real about this. There's more punches in the face for me, right? I'm, I'm going to go to live shows and I'm going to lose money if I go out on tour on the country probably at this point, at least at a couple of shows. And there's not going to be a lot of people there if I try and book them, yada, yada, yada. I just got to be ready for that. That's just reality. Like, that's just how it works when you go on tour uh, and you're a solo act and no one's booking for you and uh, you're, you're paying your own way, etc. But I'm so ready for that, right? I read th- there's this whole article before we get started with the next piece of smut. There's this whole big sensation. Maybe you guys read about it because it was this big, big news story about a guy who faked he was a rock god. And somehow reading this guy's travails have really inspired me. Basically, what he did is he lives with his wife in California, and he can play the guitar and he can sing. And he started off with making YouTube videos where it would play with him on stage, and then it would cut to him playing in a theater, except you never saw him on stage and playing to the crowd at the same time. It was spliced together. And from there... He invented literally a dozen email accounts with a dozen fake names, and he pretended to be his own manager, and yada, yada, yada. And he convinced people to go on tour with him, real musicians, and he booked a real thing in Europe from California, from his home. And he got 12 uh, tours in Europe, and literally the first three shows, zero people showed up. Literally zero people showed up after all this convincing and all this wrangling and and convincing people and getting a YouTube channel with 25,000 followers, mostly purchased, 
And like, you know, getting to that point, he got there, they advertised it, they put it up, and they literally canceled it like six or seven shows in because nobody was coming. Nobody came. Something like 28 ticket sales for six shows in Europe in different cities. And uh, something about reading that, and that being my absolute worst fear about going out there in person, really 100% convinced me, like, let's just do this. Because that's not, I have never, I hand over heart, I've never purchased a follower or a view or a rating or anything in my life. Because, not because I'm a good person, but because I'm an egomaniac. And because I need to know that I did that. Getting the reward isn't as satisfying to me. If someone has a big bag of money for me, that's awesome. But I also need them to have an extreme amount of praise for me as they're handing over the big bag of money. Otherwise, I won't take it. I know this because it's happened several times to me. I have to know. I have to feel it. I have to believe it. Um, and there's no way you can do that if you buy your success or if you're somebody else's headliner or if you're, if you're, you know what I'm saying? Like, everyone's like, oh, he played before Motley Crue. Now we know him and we love him. Oh, I would hate that. Oh, that would drive me nuts. Oh, that would kill me. I wouldn't know if I got it myself. And, and so reading this guy's article, uh, about this faking and the faking and he faked, you know, online and in person and all these different mediums and he got it. And it led to nothing but hate and notoriety. Led to nothing good at all. Nobody came to the shows even after the spectacle was revealed. And I just thought, man, that's the worst thing. That is the worst thing that could happen. I absolutely... I, having read that, I understand that. I can embrace it. My PTSD activated just reading it. You know, just reading the article. I was like, ah, ah. And I thought, well, you know what? You can do that, though. If that happens, if you come out to a live show and you've rented the theater and you've paid your own money and you've driven out or flown out and nobody is there, literally, and you're out hundreds of dollars, what are you going to do? What are you really going to do? And I thought about it. And my answer is, I'm going to rock it. I'm going to fucking rock it because I'm coming to these physical things with a, you know, with a preparation thing. There's going to be interactive all, 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 you know but I'll have like 30 to 45 minutes I'll just fucking rock it to an empty room the same way I do now I'll just fucking rock it out I'll be crazy and 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 nobody will give a shit and nobody will care and they'll like roll their eyes and ask for extra money for the bar cuz nobody's there and fuck it I'll just do it until they kick me out and I'll record it and I'll talk about it live and then everybody you know, you know thousands of people will listen afterwards and be like wow he's so brave and I really got to this point pretty recently in November, December. And I got there, and I feel it, and I'm happy. And then, just stupidly, I just type the words onto the internet, I want them buns, in quotation marks, and now I'm terrified all fucking over again, because literally there are hundreds of I want them buns comments, and now I have a new worst fear that is almost certainly going to be realized. Because the old worst fear probably wouldn't happen like could a slow uh, like a slow show happen yeah like only a dozen people come out yeah that's possible that's way more likely than zero right 
That's way more. I know I have a following. And I know that a lot of you are waiting for me to up my act before you, you know, give me more money and fame. I understand. But now I have a totally new worst fear. I have a worst, like, I just, like, I imagine, like, signs and, like, in the shape of asses. And, like, twice now I've come into the server and been like, hello, and people have just said it. Or, like, there's, like, emojis of two peaches together. Oh, my God. New worst fear. And I made it. This is some Shakespearean shit. This is some fucking, like, Macbeth Act 2 bullshit. Where I, like, I enter into the act going, no murder! And then, like, 18 minutes later, I'm like, fuck yeah, murder! Oh, murder! I didn't want it before, but I'm fucking into it now, baby! What happened? I had a conversation. What was it about? Murder! Now I'm all in. <laughs> Same thing, but in reverse. I've got this. I'm confident. I'm ready. I'll just type something sarcastic onto Twitter or onto Tumblr. I'll go to bed. I'll wake up. Tomorrow will be another day. And then little did I know. Little did I know that I was opening Pandora's ass play box. And that <laughs> you were all just waiting. Just waiting for me to give you like the piranha feeding frenzy starter gun. And now there's going to be bun talk. Everywhere I go, there's going to be bun. Someone's going to yell that now. And it's going to get cheered. They're the hero. Do you get that? Do you understand what I've done before I move on to the next piece of smut? I created a system where someone is going to scream that. And they're the hero. Okay. All right. <laughs> Lesson really, really learned. Lesson fucking learned. Before I go out on tour, I'm going to find fucking Carrot Top, and I'm going to lock him into a room in a cave, Iron Man style, and I'm going to make him fabricate me some kind of bun launcher. Right? Like, I'm not going to let him out of the fucking cave until he makes me some kind of device that can just shoot sesame seed buns into the audience with great accuracy. Accuracy, precision, hopefully a high ammo count. <laughs> Give me the gun, Tony Stark! <laughs> you want my buns? Just nailing people right in the fucking face with sesame-seeded goodness. You want my buns? We should probably move on, because I could talk about this all night. I could talk about shoving my buns right into your mouths all night, because I've done it again inadvertently. I've inadvertently made my buns once again. Something. Of a commodity. <sighs> as soon as the bathroom door closed, she quickly tied pre-cut strips of red ribbon to each of the four bedposts, working carefully to make sure each was tight. When the last one was done, she climbed onto the bed, reclining against the pillow. She crossed her ankles and waited. Moments later, Devin came back, his robe on and belted 
toweling his hair dry. Maybe. You look so sexy. The husky tone to Devon's voice made her heart race. Celine patted the bed next to her. She almost couldn't breathe. She was so excited about her plans. Devon climbed on the bed and settled next to her, leaning down for a kiss. Gently, she guided him onto his back and leaned over him, clasping one of his hands in hers. She pulled his arm over his head, his wrist pressed against one of the bedposts. Quickly, she tied a loose knot on the ribbon, binding him. She repeated the process then and turned and started tying one on his feet. Her ass was bare, but for the string between her cheeks. Devon groaned at the sight. Why don't you scoot that luscious ass of yours back about one foot? Celine leaned to the side and tipped her head so that Devon could see her face. Pursing her lips, she blew him a kiss and then returned to the task of tying his other ankle to the bed's remaining post. Task done. She slid off the bed and stood beside him, admiring her husband, tied spread ingle on the bed. Comfortable? she asked, except for the fact that right before my shower, some little vixen sucked my cock hard and stopped. Celine trailed her gaze down her husband's velvet-clad body to the tent his cock made. Celine reached out and tied the belt of his robe, then pushed the flap to the side, freeing his cock from the weight of the velvet, teasing him just a bit. She ran her fingertips lightly up and down the length, circling around the head, then back down to his balls, cupping the weight in her palm. She rolled them gently in her hand as Devon arched his hips. Have you been a good boy this year? She asked sweetly. Devon rolled his eyes at her and then answered, Yes, ma'am, but my wife hasn't. She's a bit of a tease. He raised his voice slightly on the last word. Celine wasn't sure if it was on purpose or because she had slipped her finger into his ass. But if she had to guess, she'd say it was because of her. Your wife sounds like a naughty girl. As she spoke, Celine climbed onto the bed and straddled Devon's chest, the fur trim of her nightgown brushing against his chin. She is such a naughty girl, but I love her. Would you like to open one of your presents now, since you've been such a good boy? Devon's eyes twinkled. Definitely. Celine, Celine lifted the edge of her nightgown, showing off her red and white lace thong with ties at each hip.
Shifting forward, she lifted up on her knees and dangled one of the ties against his lips. Devon understood what she wanted. Tipping his head to the side, she caught the tie in his teeth and pulled. As soon as he let go, Celine shifted, and they repeated the process. The moment Devon let the other tie go, the thong parted and fell to his chest. His eyes widened and his gaze locked on her pussy. She knew he was staring at the tiny red ribbon that dangled from her pussy lips and ass. And the third one that was tied around her clit. Guess where I hid the jingle bells, she murmured. If possible, his eyes widened farther as a truly wicked grin lit up his face. Inside one of my presents? Definitely. But first, you have another one to unwrap. Careful not to press too hard on his shoulders, she slid forward, positioning her pussy a breath away from his lips. As his tongue moistened his lips, he inadvertently teased her already throbbing clit. Moaning softly, she ground down on his mouth, pressing his warm, wet tongue on her needy flesh. He dived in, swirling his tongue around her pulsing clit, sucking the tiny bud into his mouth. Quit teasing, she panted, and open your present. Luckily for her sanity, he did, catching one end of the bow in his teeth. Celine lifted slightly, whimpering at the pleasure of pain as the ribbon tightened around her clit before releasing. Reaching down, she stroked her fingers around her clit. Devon's gaze followed her every movement, as right before his eyes, juices dripped from her. Thighs glistening, she leaned forward, brushing the ribbon that dangled from her pussy against his lips. Nipping the ribbon, he caught hold of Celine and leaned back slowly. The first bell slipped past her lips with a muted pop. The ribbon soaked with her essence. Trembling again, she kept shifting back as another bell and another slipped. Free. The end. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's because the other two stopped. I'm so sorry. I had to. I, I had to. I was looking for a place where I was like, "Where's where would be the ending if this was the third one in a row? I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. It's a holiday and I'm in a good mood. All right. <clears throat> I tried to scroll up real quick. Okay. <laughs> uh. She had gotten the idea from the anal bead she and Devin played with all the time, and it had taken almost a week of trial and error to find Jingle Bells just the right size. As the eleventh bell slipped free, she pinched her clit and kept moving back, her inner muscles clenching tight. 
Celine knew the last one would send her over the edge. Breath held, she drifted back, the last bell by far the largest pulling against the inside of her lips. Whimpering, she dropped backward, her knees bent, and the last bell slipped free, bringing her orgasm crashing down on her. She rode the waves, prolonging her enjoyment, while Devon whispered to her, he might have been saying something important, but she couldn't tell. There was a dull roar in her ears. Once reason returned, she stood up. Devon met her gaze, a grin on his face. Feeling better, babe? Mm. Yeah. She knew she sounded dopey, but she felt so good. Because of Devon's hectic schedule, the two had enjoyed more of the time passing of the most intimate moments in about six months. She also hadn't masturbated in the last three weeks in anticipation of Christmas. She wasn't certain how she was going to survive the rest of his residency. But she wasn't going to dwell on it now. Wiggling slightly, she set the bells on her outfit to jingling again, as she shifted around until her pussy pressed against his cock. I do have to admit, that was erotic as hell. He said, his voice strained as he reached between them and slipped his cockhead past her pussy lips. She slid down as he lifted his hips, thrusting his cock up and into her core. Once they had settled into a slow and steady rhythm, Celine reached up and untied the top of her nightgown, letting the halter straps slip down, burying her breasts. She had also tied a tiny red ribbon through her nipple rings. With one ribbon attached to both rings and another joined with it at its middle, it formed a festive Y with a bell at the end. She pushed the nightgown further down so that it bunched at her waist even while it continued to grind against her husband. Do you want to play with your last present? Devin nodded, careful not to pull too tight. Celine caught the ribbon as it tangled between her breasts and pushed the bell on the end against Devin's lips. He pursed them lightly, holding the bell between them without chomping it. Celine leaned back slightly, her breasts jiggling as she started to rock harder against him. The ribbon stretched taut, pulling on her nipple rings. Whimpering as the pain sent sparks of pleasure through her body, Celine clenched her pussy tight, milking Devon's cock as she worked up and down, pushing them closer to a shared orgasm. With each thrust, Devon tipped his head back, giving a tiny pull to the ribbon. Celine couldn't have planned it better. Her nipples stretched and tingled with each tiny tug. She could feel the familiar titching, twitching of her core, heralding what was to come. Reaching a hand behind her, she gripped the last remaining ribbon and gently pulled. The first bell slipped from her ass, 
with a well-lubricated pop. She gasped, leaning a bit forward. She tugged at a second bell, slipped three. Devon, baby, more. The bed creaked as he picked up his pace, thrusting upward as much as his bounds would allow him. His breath matched hers fast and hard. They were both gasping as though they raced to the finish line. Another tug and a third bell slipped free. Celine fought the urge to bite her lip at the familiar steam. She clenched her pussy muscles tight, and she gave a nod, so gentle tug, to the last bell as it strained free. Tipping back, even as the bell dropped to the bed, she picked up the slack on the ribbon attached to her nipples, screaming at the triple pleasure. She trembled as she climaxed. Beneath her, Devon grunted, his motions tiny jerks as he joined her. Collapsing against his chest, Celine moaned softly as the soft jets of his cum flooded her. As soon as she could move against, she reached up and untied Devon's arms. Nuzzling against his chest, she cuddled close, his arms wrapped around her, holding her tight. I couldn't have asked for a better Christmas present, he said, snuggling her even closer. Celine sighed. Although, I wonder, Devon continued, are you planning to untie my feet anytime soon? Grumbling good-naturedly, Celine sat up and stripped off her nightgown, then attended to his remaining bonds. Devon slipped off the robe and tossed it to the other side of the bedroom. As they settled back into each other's arms, Devon asked, So, what's planned for New Year's? Celine just grinned, thinking about the bag she had hidden under the kitchen sink. That is from Jingle All the Way by Michelle Houston. Houston? Or H I'm going to go with Houston. <clears throat> Could be either or. Houston or Houston on that one. I'm going to go with Houston. Yes! You girls are clapping because you didn't get teased this time. Uh, we ready for more? We ready for more? You need more. Are you ready for more? I know you need more, but are you ready for more? I know you need it. Are you ready for it? I know you need it. Are you ready for it? But are you ready for more? I know you need it. Okay, okay. Because it's a holiday. We can stay up late and do another one. Only because you've been... A very good girl. Forgive me. I'm going to get close to the mic and a little bit more breathy on this one. But I think that's what this piece requires. So here we go. We're on your bed, kissing and making out. Sat upright, leaning into each other, touching. Our hands 
roaming over each other's bodies. Your hands on my chest, my hands pressed against the fabric of your blouse, tracing your nipples through the translucent fabric. You pull at my shirt, yanking it over my head, pulling me in so that I fall onto you, my mouth landing on yours, kissing me on the mouth and then kissing all over my chest. Your hands explore me, feeling the muscles in my body and arms, your fingers running over my chest. Then, taking my hands, you place them on your breasts. Still kissing you, I feel the smooth curve of your breasts pushing against the thin fabric of your top and sliding my hands over and around so that I can feel the shape and feel of them. I press my mouth into your chest and kiss your nipples through the fabric, the pinkness of your areola becoming visible as the fabric pressed against you is moistened. Wanting to feel you under my tongue, I slowly start to undo the buttons of your top, kissing your breasts so that they are revealed, pressing my mouth into your cleavage, inhaling the scent of your body, feeling the soft flesh of your breasts pushing into my face. As I reach the final button, I slide your blouse off your shoulders and reach round to unclip your bra. Freed, your breasts envelop my face, and I bury myself in the delicious, soft pillows, kissing between, around, and finally over them, before taking them in my hands so that I can move my lips over one of your nipples, so pert and full that it's practically begging to be sucked off. I draw deeply at your breast, sucking your nipple into my mouth, then flicking and licking and playing with my tongue over it, feeling your run your fingers through my hair. I stay like this, my mouth worshipping your sexy, delicious, beautiful body, only shifting to move my mouth from breast to breast when you guide me off one and onto the other. Eventually, your moaning increases in intensity and you push my mouth down, and I start kissing your stomach. You collapse back onto your bed, allowing me to move up so that I can kiss one hand playing with your breasts as I kiss down your stomach toward your navel. Now I'm faced with a dilemma. You're still in your skirt, and if I'm going to continue kissing down your body, I'm going to have to get you to lift your hips up so that I can slide it off you. 
I think about this for a second. We've been slow, relaxed, up until now. Enjoying the leisurely exploration of our bodies, I decided to surprise you and change the pace. Slightly. Moving down your body, I grasp the bottom of your skirt and push it up, leaving it scrunched up around your waist, revealing your panties. Greedy for you, I press my mouth to the front of your panties, tasting the faint dampness that is already there, using my tongue to reveal the shape of your pussy lips beneath the delicate, lazy fabric. Responding to the increase in urgency to the feeling of my tongue pushing through your panties, pressing on your slit. You buck your pussy into my mouth, eager for me to touch you, to use my tongue on you. Lifting your hips, you tell me to slide your panties off. I don't need any more encouragement. I want you so badly as you want me. And in a second, you're gone. Your legs wrap around my shoulders, pulling me in. Now we're at that moment. My mouth poised above your pussy, your labia peeking between your spread pussy lips, pink and wet with excitement. I press my tongue onto you, tasting the wetness leaking out from you, pushing my tongue in, lapping at the juices, probing it into you as deep as I can. My hands are on your ass cheeks now, squeezing them, pushing you into me, keeping your pussy on my face, smearing your juices over my lips and nose. Buried in your pussy, I probe, lick, and taste, using my tongue to explore, to stimulate your body, feeling you move beneath me, hearing you moan with pleasure, tasting you, the gush of wetness onto my tongue each time I press in. Shifting my mouth up, I begin to press my tongue between your labia, sliding my fingers between us to spread the lips apart. Then, pressing and flicking, using my tongue to tease you and my lips to maintain a constant pressure, I move up, tracing the tip of my tongue over the delicate, complex folds until I reach your clit. You tremble as my tongue touches the sensitive, receptive nerves, the pleasure center of your body. Slowly shifting my tongue, I gauge your reaction as it moves 
feeling the way your body shakes as I explore, returning to some spots, increasing the pressure, learning where you are most responsive to my touches. You're moaning with pleasure now, a steady boom, interspersed with instructions, yes, there, yes, yes, harder, more, yes. My tongue continues to work, moving over your clit, licking, pressing, and teasing. My lips pressed over your pussy, drinking in the constant flow of wetness, reveling in how sexy you are as you move beneath me, how delicious your pussy is. Still concentrating on your clit, I let my fingers slide down, slipping them into you, moving them in and out, the tight, wet cave of your pussy. Now, with one hand still on your ass, massaging and squeezing, pulling you into me, one hand finger-fucking your gushing, wet pussy, and my lips and tongue working on your clit. You're writhing uncontrollably beneath me, your hips pushing into my face, your hands gripping my head, pushing me into you, pulling my hair as your fingers tighten, feeling intensity build in your body. I love the taste of you and the way your body reacts when I lick and finger you. I could stay with my head between your thighs forever, just licking and licking you. You're beginning to pull at me, though, telling me you want more, that you want to fuck me, that you want to ride my cock. Pushing me away from your pussy, you roll me onto my back. And with your hands pressed onto my chest, you straddle me, sitting on my stomach. Your skirt rucked up around your waist, your boobs hanging into my face. Bending down, your boobs bounce into my cheeks, smothering me in warm, soft curves. Taking a breast in each hand, I squeeze them into my face, kissing the inside of your cleavage. Then, taking each breast in turn, licking around the nipple and sucking on it. Even though I had spent ages playing with your tits earlier, I love the way you are teasing me with them, forcing me to focus on them, to worship them. All the time I've been playing with your breasts, you've had one hand between your legs, frantically fingering yourself. I can feel your juices spread over my stomach from where they're flowing out of your pussy. It doesn't surprise me when you shift your body back on the pillow and you pull your tits out of my face and lift your hips above my cock. <clears throat> With one hand 
planted on the center of my chest. You use the other hand to grasp my cock, holding it firmly around the middle of the shaft. Like this, you guide me to the entrance of your pussy, steering the head so that it's pressing against you, but not inside you. Yet, you're so sexy above me, your thighs uh, straddling me, tits swaying over me, your spread pussy pink and already covered in creamy, wet juices. I want you to slide down onto me so badly, but you hang there, poised, just for a moment, before you eventually do. Sitting on my cock in one smooth movement that sends a shock of pleasure through my penis, and it forces a contented gasp from your mouth. Once on me, you start a hard rhythmic grinding, moving your hips back and forth while sitting impaled on my cock. I stretch my hands out to hold your breasts and lean into me, letting me support your weight as we both enjoy the sensation of my cock moving inside you. I love the way you're controlling the pace, working yourself up by grinding hard, leaning forward to make sure your clit rubs against me. And then, as the feeling of your pussy builds up, slowing down, making slower, more sensual movements. Fucking me like this is making your pussy gushing wet and your juices are foaming out of you, coating our bodies in a sticky, wet, glistening sheen. My cock is rock-hard inside you, pressing against the walls of your pussy as you grind, and I can feel the throbbing with a growing intensity each time the pace fucking increases. Unable to control myself, I start to thrust back, pushing my cock into you, trying to get even deeper inside you. Feeling my hips begin to thrust, you respond by grinding harder and faster. And when that only makes me thrust even harder, you begin to slide your pussy up and down on my cock using the full length of my rod, angling your hips so that it presses against you as it glides in and out. Watching your pussy open and close around my cock, your juices creaming on my shaft and flowing down is amazingly sexy. The way you are using my body to satisfy yourself while driving me crazy with pleasure and lust. At the same time, it's fantastic. I can't help but tell you how hot you are, how sexy and fuckable, how much I love being with you, being 
inside you, talking to you like this only spurs you on even more, though. And soon, you're in an out-of-control frenzy, sending your pussy up and down my shaft as fast as you can, your tits swinging wildly as you ride me, your breath coming in quick, shallow pants as you gasp each time my cock bottoms out in you. Suddenly, you allow my cock to slide out of you, a trail of pussy juice and pre-cum briefly connecting our bodies as you pull away from me. Finally shucking off the skirt that has been bunched around your waist this whole time, you swing one leg over my body, then twist round so that you're still straddling me, but facing the other way. Like this, you quickly remount my cock and start riding me again. In this position, I can admire your back. The way your waist pinches in them, flares out at your hips, forming one smooth curve with your ass. With your legs spread apart by my body, your ass is two separate round mounds, the two cheeks forming perfect spheres connected by your gaping pussy lips and the pucker of your asshole. I cannot help reaching out and placing a hand on each side of your ass, squeezing and using the strength of my arms to guide you and your body up and down, ensuring that it rides my cock in long, full strokes. The best thing about this view is that I can see your pussy lips clamped along the shaft of my cock and watch them slide up and down as your hips ride me. This position lets you really maximize the way my cock slides against your pussy, so that, depending on the angle of your hips, with every stroke, my shaft is pushed against the top or the bottom of your hole, increasing the friction between our bodies, stimulating the nerves of our genitals, turning us on more and more and more. There's an indescribable tingling in your body, centered on your clint, spreading out through your pussy, and slowly subsuming your whole being, filling you with pleasure. It's the same for me. A huge buildup of tension, a throbbing in my cock, as blood pulses through it. A tightening in my balls, as spunk starts to flow from them and fill my shaft in anticipation of being released into your body. For now, as the feelings in our body mount up, we just keep fucking. Your pussy sliding onto my cock again, 
and again, my hips pushing into you each time we come together. Impaled on my cock, you sit up slightly and switch to a grinding fuck, pressing your pussy down on my groin, squeezing a fresh wave of juices out as you do so, coating my balls as the wetness gushes out of you and onto my body. Positioned like this, you can finger your clit. You can start playing with yourself as you ride me. Then, enjoying the extra stimulation you're giving yourself, you start to do the same for me. Using your other hand to reach down to my balls, squeezing them, moving your fingers over the soft, flexible sack of skin covering my testicles. Settling into this position, you start to grind firmly, flexing your back so that your hips start to move back and forward over my cock, the length of my shaft moving within you, pressing against the walls of your pussy as it pushed around the force of your grinding. Coupled like this, with you controlling the force of our fucking, and your hands increasing the stimulation on our bodies as your fingering massage our genitals, you start to push both of us over the edge. I can feel my pre-cum leaking from me, and I'm starting to control a cockful of spunk that is about to release at any second. At the same time, your pussy is beginning to grip my cock, tightening it, prolonged spasm that make it even harder to control myself. I can see your toes beginning to curl, your feet tightening and arching as your body begins to reach its climax. Suddenly, you let go of my balls, and with a scream, you clamp your fingers into my legs to support yourself as your orgasm takes over your body, your pussy pulsing around my cock. A final wave of wetness engulfing my shaft and mingling with the semen that is splurting out of me in a huge, uncontrolled jets as I thrust my hips up into you. Your pussy milks me dry forcing me to tighten my ass muscles as I thrust, pushing every drop of semen out of my balls and into your body. As your orgasm subsides, you collapse forward, pulling yourself off my shaft. As you fall, I grab your hips, keeping you upright and allowing me to slide down the bed underneath you. This places my face under your pussy, which is puffy and pink and wet. Guiding your hips down over my mouth, I probe my tongue into you, tasting you, tasting the mingled flavor of our fucking. 
at the same time, lowering your body places your mouth over my cock, and you start to lick me clean, using your tongue to wash the juices that are slicked over my shaft. We're both too spent from this to turn into another bout of sex, but it is a final loving gesture, one final union of our bodies before you turn around and curl up in my arms. That is by Philip Mitchelstein, Mitchelstein, or Steen, on Literotica. The name of the piece is On Your Bed. Let's get one more tip link in, shall we? And for those of you listening at home, I will be putting a tip link in the uh, podcast description. Feel free to throw me some bones. Feel free to throw me some Christmas bones. Did you like that one? I promise I've never seen it or heard it or performed it before tonight. I swear it. Boy Scouts honor. <clears throat> so you guys are all done with me, right? You guys, you guys are all done with me. You never want to see me again. You're all finished. You got four smut pieces, two false starts, two good ones, lots of poems, some stories. You're all done with me, right? You don't want any more. You're all done with me, correct? All right, because I mean this, and this is going for you girls at home listening to this, especially since it's going to be up before Christmas as a special episode, and I've been doing so good. Fucking pay me. Listen to how good I am, and listen to how good I'm going, and fucking pay me, because, my God, this is the show that I'm putting on, and we haven't even gotten started yet. So, do it before I start reading this last piece. I don't know where I'm going to stop, because it's long. So I may cock block you one last time. But you guys say you want a little bit more just as you drift off after that last one. So let's do it. This is smut. We'll see what happens. No one controls Clara in her life. She is her own master and obeys no one. But things are about to change. What happens when you mix... Seven billion dollars presents and a girl that has the looks and body to kill any guy on sight. Well, you get Clara, the bitchiest girl of Wilhelm Academy of Science and Social Studies had ever seen. She never cared about anyone other than herself. Her friends, all in it for the money, bashed her with attention and praises. Hell, this girl thought she was God herself. Discipline was never a problem for Clara because she simply couldn't give a rat's ass about it anyway. She was a complete shit of a student with countless, with countless of rules violation under her belt, and the Academy was really honest with the record they wouldn't because they might lose the millions of dollars of endowment her parents showered the academy with. 
the list would be longer than the constitutional rights. Truancy, vandalism, public indecency, late for school, misappropriation of chemicals, misappropriation of school properties, theft, God only knows why she needed to steal, disrespecting educators, smoking in the academy's vicinity. The list went on and on. In fact, one might even consider asking Clara which rule in the handbook she hadn't broken yet. The administrator had always turned a blind eye when it comes to Clara. One rotten student in the proverbial basket might ruin the entire batch, but it did come with a hefty, for lack of better word, compensation. Author's note. Fourth time you said she's rich. We're barely into this bitch. I, we get it. She's loaded. Author's note ending. <clears throat> so why bother correcting her if her parents were still funding the school regardless? That, however, was no longer possible when a building was almost burnt down because of a poorly extinguished cigarette Clara had smoked. Everyone knew she was the cause, and everyone wanted resolution for the brat of a girl. The administration, hoping to appease the public, hacked out a deal with Clara and her parents. Clara would attend consultation sessions daily with a consultant that the academy appointed. The consultant had to be hired from outside the academy, since none of the existing consultant in the academy would take Clara in. Everything was set. As long as Clara attended the consultation, her parents wouldn't have to suffer the embarrassment of their daughter being expelled. The academy got to keep their endowment funds, too. It's a win-win situation. A heck of a deal. And so it began. Author's note. Last paragraph. Everything was set, this paragraph. And so it began. I... <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny fucking to me, but it is. Oh, my God. I've scrolled down to the next paragraph. It doesn't begin. And so we start. But it really should. Clara opened the door and walked into the consultation room. She sighed expressly, making sure that the consultant inside could hear and tossed her bag to the blood-red couch on the middle of the room. She leapt over the backrest and landed on the couch with a loud thud. You are a little late, a woman in her thirties said. Well, yeah, traffic, Clara lied nonchalantly. You are supposed to be here by nine, the woman reminded. Let's just get it over with this bullshit. We all know this whole thing isn't going to work, Clara said, as matter-of-factly. What isn't going to work? The woman spoke slowly as she sat down on the chair opposite the red couch. You, me, talk. Clara cocked her eye. Why 
isn't going to work. The woman said, Really? You need me to tell you why? Clara rolled her eyes. We have two hours to talk. Might as well start from here. The woman shrugged as she corrected her narrow glasses. Well, if you must know, the last three consultants assigned to me all quit by the third day. So I will spare you your noble effort, and we can sit right here. You mind your business, and I'll mind mine. And we can pretend the session worked out fine in the end of the day. How's that sound? Clara sneered. It does sound tempting. <clears throat> but I have a reputation to uphold, Clara. The woman retorted calmly. And what reputation would that be? Clara nudged her pumps out from under her legs with her toes, swung her legs up to the couch, and lied down for a nap. She was still suffering a hangover from last night's clubbing. You see, I never fail my client before. The woman's voice turned cold, almost sinister. Well, your client is asking you to fuck off. Clara said without any reservation, keeping an arm over her eyes to keep out of the glaring light. It wasn't until Clara heard a familiar click of a door being locked that she stole a peek, spelled like a mountain. The woman wasn't on her chair anymore. Alarmed, Clara sat up and turned to the door. The woman, with her back against the entrance, was grinning at her. You are not my client, the woman corrected. For fuck's sake, get alive, bitch. Completely undeterred by the smile the woman was wearing, Clara leaned back on the couch with a groan. I will expect you to call me mistress in future encounters. The words were cold and commanding. Clara had to stop herself from sniggering. Was this bitch for real? Clara would have killed herself before she would refer to anyone as mistress, let alone a stupid consultant that the Academy hired. She was her own mistress. Period. Then, a sudden chill went down her spine. The air seemed to be colder than just a moment ago. The room became quiet. Too quiet. To a point that it was eerie. <clears throat> Something didn't feel right. Clara sat up again. That's when her heart raced and her every hair on her skin stood up. A glowing pair of blue eyes were glaring at her. The woman sitting in the chair was something out of a horror movie. The glow was definitely not natural, and every shred of her consciousness told her she had to leave the room right now. But... Her limbs wouldn't move. Her body remained still. It was as though her body had been locked inside a cast completely solid and immobile. Her heart 
rate skyrocketed. She had never felt something like this before. Was this even possible? She tried to move again, but only managed to elicit a pathetic shudder. What have you done to me? Clara shouted. Shh. The woman shushed, a finger on her lips. <clears throat> Clara's lips smacked shut, her teeth firmly clenched together. Her breath hitched as her tongue slacked, and she could no longer move. Her eyes turned to the woman. Clara was wide-eyed and flabbergasted. Now, strip, the woman commanded. Immediately, Clara's hands darted to the hem of her T-shirt and pulled it over her head without even the slightest hesitation. Despite tears began to roll down her cheeks, her hands, with the life of their own, went her back and unhooked the bra. The lacy garment fell to her lap, exposing her C-cup breasts to the cold, chilly air. <coughs> Side note... <clears throat> Whenever you suddenly see a cup, you know that a man wrote it. Whenever there's a sudden cup, always a dude. Just be surprised if it's a woman is all. Her hands went to her jeans and began fumbling with the button. She fought with everything she had in her to try and stop it. But her hands kept going. A buttoning and unzipping the front with a swift motion, both her jeans and panties dropped to the floor. Ah, uh, Kara pleaded. She was terrified now. The woman was controlling her body, and there was nothing she could do about it. She screamed inwardly, hoping that somehow her inner desperation could release the control the woman had on her. Lift your legs and spread them, she said. Clara's body obeyed. Her lower limbs were lifted until her soul pressed against the soft cushion beneath. Her knees gradually parted, and Clara even felt her pussy widened slightly. The woman lowered her eyes to Clara's pussy, and a wicked grin tugged at her lips. Spread your pussy with your fingers, the woman commanded. Clara's hands, shaking from the conflict in her mind, spread against her bare pussy. Her fingers were trembling sporadically as she fought to stop the mind control. Gradually, she felt a tingle of sensation at the tip of her fingers. Then... Her fingers curled ever so slightly to her own command, and she suddenly felt hopeful. She felt her struggle, and the trembling fingers started to move away from her pussy. <clears throat> ah, you're stronger than you look, the old woman remarked. Oh, well. The woman stood up from her seat and walked to Clara. She placed one hand on the back of her neck and the other on her chin. Firmly, she tilted Clara's head and, glaring, and glared right into the girl's eyes. Spread your pussy now. Her rich, her voice sterner, 
and within a fraction of a second, every shred of control was out the window. Clara's fingers went straight to her pussy and parted those lips without so much as a blink of an eye. The woman released Clara and stepped back to marvel at the sight. Her gaze eventually moved downward and stopped at the spread pussy. Whiner, she said, and like a puppet being pulled by her master, Clara parted her pussy wider. More, the woman added. Clara tensed and whimpered at the sharp sting on her pussy as though she had torn her skin. Despite the pain, her fingers never let go, keeping her pussy painfully spread and open. The woman, with a slight, leaned forward until her lips almost touched Clara's. Then she moved down until her soft lips lightly pecked every inch of skin along the way, from her neck to her breast, down to her stomach, before finally landing on her spread pussy. Well, this goes on for a long, long time. I thought it was going to take longer with the fun part. This goes on for a long, long time. So we're going to have to say, put a pin in it, and we'll come back and we'll find out what Clara and the witch are up to later. What do you guys say? I know, I know, but the fun part's over. It's going to get down into hardcore lesbian sex. I know, I know, but you guys got two really good smut pieces this week, and it has been a two-hour show. I know, I know, I know. But I want to start my Christmas. (laughs) Oh, guys. I had a fantastic time. I had a fantastic time. I sound fantastic. I feel fantastic. I hope you had a great time, too. I imagine that you did. Guys, thank you so much. Everyone who came out, everyone who had a request, everyone who had something for me to say in the quick quotes, I appreciate you guys so much. Everybody listening at home appreciates you so much because it wouldn't happen without you. Thank you so much for all of it. This is the last tip show for the year. There will be a patron show next Friday on the 28th, patrons only. Uh, it'll just be low and easy and for the New Year's. Uh, just got a little couple of things planned. And then, of course, whatever your requests are on top of that, it'll be a slow, easy, fun show just for the patrons. Thank you so much for being patient while I got those up and restored again. Appreciate it and you. It has been a year. Uh, time moved forward, and we all got through it. And thank you so much for that. There will be one last little piece on the podcast uh, before the end of the year. It is not a standard podcast piece. That's why it's not going to be promoted on Thursday. But you will see it again before New Year's. Uh, and then we will resume the podcast normal weekly schedule on the 3rd. Thank you, girls. Thank you, girls. It wouldn't be possible without you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. If you think I've never sounded better, it's because you're right, and it's going to keep on happening. It's a long, strange journey uh, moving that line up on the chart, but we're going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep bringing it, sounding better, feeling better, having a better attitude, eventually, and uh, there's nothing you can do to stop it. So you might as well try now, baby cakes. 
All right. That was supposed to be fun, and then it got weirdly threatening at the end. I don't know why. I apologize. Maybe I need more or less liquor, but definitely one of the two. There's no other option. Thank you again for everything. It has been a wonderful time. It has been a wonderful show, and I will see you next year.